0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who gets visited by Harvey every time he gets drunk.
1: <laughs> I gotta I gotta be honest, the uh the drunk uh hallucinations in this movie are some of my favorite things that we've seen. Oh no, they're amazing all- because the movie is not afraid to make
0: the hallucinations fucking horrifying.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like this
0: is some Donnie Darko bullshit in this movie out of nowhere.
1: <laughs> the rat at the foot of his it's, bed, fucking like, freaking, looking at out. him as as if he wants to have sex with him. And <laughs> oh no, it's just that that that
0: very rabbit is is hot and ready to go. And yeah. he needs to acknowledge that he's a lonely man, and he <laughs> he probably needs some love in his life. So a giant anthropomorphic in- rabbit's probably perfect. Yeah. Invite that first Zoom in. It was end It's you. a really upsetting rabbit costume. It's like <laughs> deeply upsetting.
1: Yeah. Uh, I read it as a rat, but. Maybe oh, sorry. I just you're wasn't right. It was up. a rat. But, I, my brain yeah. decided to
0: try to strike that. I mean, the Harvey the thing. Yeah. No, it works. Yeah, I, I. Dreamer it was I a rat.
1: You're right. I just couldn't. I don't know if we ever talked about this on the podcast, but do you remember that, uh, that, that viral video uh, in like. 2000 um that was uh it was it was making fun of like uh the uh the special editions of star star wars uh-huh. but it was it was a video came out that that was two guys saying we could finally finally exhibit the true vision for the original harvey and they would put a really bad cgi <laughs> rabbit. I did not see that, but into, it's great. Into all of the art. It's, I mean, it's, it's very old at this point. I mean, but, I, like it might've been pre-YouTube. I mean, honestly, and that's probably but... the
0: problem is that like pre-YouTube, <coughs> like memes weren't really as memey as they, they right, are right. now.
1: It's that thing where you gotta, you gotta email a, a, a real <laughs> media player file to right, people. Right. And you're watching it. You're watching it on like, uh, you know, For, a, yeah, real player, two hundred pixel, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it wasn't great, but it was a very silly idea. Before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon, patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to a non-criterion film bonus episode. Put together a list every month and our supporters vote on what movie we're going to watch. One choice on every list is the 1996 children's film, Kazam, starring Shaquille O'Neal, in which he oh, plays a genie. brilliant piece of work. It is uh, the pinnacle of film really yeah absolutely in that you know from a certain perspective a pinnacle and an nadir are the same thing so <laughs> true <laughs> no it is neither the best nor worst film ever made so no because we've seen the worst film ever made we have or yeah.
0: for for the same thing for the same right. situation
1: right yeah our bonus episodes over there can get get Pretty eclectic, pretty fun. Uh, Pat, I believe, is referencing Kicking and Screaming, the Will Ferrell movie. I am. Movie. Uh, we did a list based on movies that share titles with Criterion movies, and we ended that up watching was probably a Will misguided Fer- effort, it frankly. Was, it was one of my favorite lists we've ever done. It was a very good idea. It is a great. It was a great list. I'm just saying,
0: <laughs> in the end, in hindsight, it may have been, mis- been misguided with regards to our own sanity. <laughs>
1: Kicking and Screaming is literally the worst movie I've ever seen. Um, Yeah, uh, because it should be so much better. Everything about it should have been better than what it was, and it was very disappointing. But yeah,
0: well, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, I mean, yes and no, because like we're already like pretty much on that the downturn of that kind of Will Ferrell movie, right?
1: Like that's fair, yeah.
0: Like that's the the problem is, is like that that Will Ferrell movie we've all already seen seventy five
1: times, right? So if you want to hear a longer version of the same conversation, head over to. Uh, Patreon.com slash lost criterion. For just a dollar a month, you can get, uh, get the new bonus episodes, vote on what they're going to be, and get the entire back catalog of bonus episodes. So you can scroll back and listen to that kicking and screaming episode where we talk about Will Ferrell's career and the sort of movies he should have been making at the time. <laughs> right. Well, that's all at a dollar a month. For a little extra $5 a month, we'd like to thank those people on air. So thank you so much to our good friend, Stephen Goldmeyer, who is our only $5 supporter right now. He's our only five dollar supporter because a little bit above that we do something that's uh, pretty enticing. At ten dollars and above, Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies that we've watched recently, and I get that printed up on a postcard, write a little thank you note, and mail that off. So if you like uh, bespoke art, uh, if you like what you mo- do, what you do, movie based bespoke art, do. Uh, if you like, uh, you know, mail. Everybody likes mail, right? Which you also do. You like all obviously. these things. Ten dollars and above at Patreon.com/slash/Lost and Criterion. Uh, if you want to see what those cards look like uh, before you get uh, before you dedicate yourself, or if you have been getting them and want to buy some previous ones, head over to Redbubble.com and search for Lost and Criterion, and you can see not quite the entire back catalog because I put them up on a little bit of a delay. And because Toho told us we had to take down one of them. (laughs) Um, Curses, Toho! Ah, it's okay. You know, Toho has their own stuff going on, and I want to be sympathetic to them, but... To be fair,
0: it was the one most likely to break
1: your brain if you were to (laughs) purchase it. It did break my brain when I first saw it, and I hated it for a week. Um,
0: I... It is still one of my favorite cards I've ever made. Yeah. And it makes me a. I li- I I get a little sad every time we talk about it because I want it to be purchasable by people. And no new version of it would convey just how upsetting that image is. It's fair. It's fair. It was a very upsetting
1: image. Anyway, at $10 and above, we like to thank those people on air as well. So thank you so much to Patrick Yalco, to Chris Otto, to M- Michael McGrath, to... Adam Speakerman, and to Jason Westaver for your continued support at ten dollars and above. Very grateful for that. Thank you guys, and yes, uh, thank you very much. Thank you everyone uh, supporting at any level and just listening, guys. Uh, we really appreciate that too. This week we are uh, we're really switching gears from a, a stream. Yeah, no, this is this is there's some whiplash involved <laughs> here for sure. Yeah, well, it's been a while since. You know, I can't really call this a mindless comedy because there is there is some stuff we'll get into. No, it's certainly, just, this is not a. But mindless this is comedy. this is certainly the most uh, broad comedy we have watched in a a very long time yeah, I for mean, the podcast. Right? Yeah,
0: for sure. It is definitely most the most obviously <laughs> meant to just be a comedy. Right. Right. Like
1: yeah. Yeah, uh, it is Hobson's choice, the nineteen fifty four David Lean directed version. It uh, turns out this uh, this has been adapted at least uh, two times prior to this. Oh, really? Uh, including okay. a silent film version. Uh, it's based on a play uh, that was originally produced in 1915. Um, okay. The 1915 play actually was first put out in America. Still the same thing. Okay. British characters um Uh in america it was kind of a let's make fun of the british sort of thing i think uh okay but uh but the british really uh latched on to it and and we're like yeah let's make fun of ourselves too (laughs) okay Uh, yeah uh so you know this is this is it's a story that pokes fun at uh sort of British capitalism in a lot of ways, um, right, and British social culture and and uh, class culture too. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, this is David Lean's version. We've seen a lot from David Lean before. Um, he makes some some pretty interesting. You know his uh, his Dickens adaptations were really good. Um, he does a lot of no coward. Uh, adaptations that we've seen that have been really good, uh, brief encounter among them. Um, but kind of, you know, a pretty wide, you know, brief encounter to this. They're very different things, right? <laughs> um, right. Uh, but yeah, it stars Charles Lawton, uh, which is interesting only in that Charles Lawton directed one movie, one movie that we will okay. eventually watch for the Criterion Collection. Okay. Charles Lawton directed Knight of the Hunter. Uh <laughs> yeah. Just think. I see Pat's face right now. Uh, <laughs> i what what kind of movie is Night of the Hunter? <laughs> it is it Do is tell. um Night of the Hunter is about a uh, a con man uh preacher, basically. Who Okay. Yeah. Uh it takes place in the American South. It is the origin of uh of an image you are certainly familiar with, which is Robert Mitchum leaning on a, uh, I believe, a porch post and revealing these knuckle tattoos that say love and hate. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. uh, So we eventually see that from Charles Lawton, uh, and it's just very... There are a lot of Criterion movies where the director only directed one movie and, and right. it happens to be the one in the Criterion collection. Uh, but it is sort of, I guess, more surprising to me that someone we have just watched in such a broad comedic role <laughs> produced <Right. laughs> produced a movie like Night of the Hunter. Uh, but anyway. This is the story of a... Uh, Lawton plays a uh, a widowed uh, boot shop owner. I, I was gonna go with piece of shit, but you know, whatever. But Whatever, a be- you, whatever no, works certainly. for you. He's got three daughters who he forces to do all the work at the shop, and uh, one of them's finally gotten tired of that, and it's got kind of a King Lear thing going on, <laughs> a low level well, King I Lear mean, thing going on with that. I
0: mean, to be fair, she like it, it's a little worse than that, right? Because she. She is the primary caregiver, and and runs the shop. He, oh yeah, he, it, like like she she's tired of it because she's also the one doing ninety nine percent of the work. Right, right.
1: She is doing. He already is a silent partner in this shop. He just right. takes all the money, right? And she is she is not expected not only to run all the books, run the shop, but also have his dinner ready when he wants it ready uh take care of him when he arrives home drunk um, which
0: is presumably based on the story every day
1: every night every at least like twice every day uh, based on based on how much we see him drinking right um, uh so yeah she's sick and tired of it and decides to uh emancipate herself uh which she does by uh <laughs> basically beating uh the
0: uh yeah brow beating a man into, <laughs> into it's into marrying
1: it's
0: her. pretty and oh but, i remember what the intro was gonna be it was gonna be about girl bosses that's what it was gonna I be see. about
1: there you I go i just
0: couldn't remember
1: that's okay maggie maggie is definitely a girl boss um she takes power she self-determines and she browbeats uh a man into self-determining himself as well
0: um <laughs> yeah i know uh yeah i mean it, yeah,
1: for sure. It's it is, it is maybe
0: one of the strangest comedies we've ever watched. For ah, uh,
1: yeah, it's beautiful. I,
0: yeah, it is. It is. It feels. It is fascinating to learn that it is from 1915.
1: Yeah, the original.
0: Right, and, and it is also fascinating that like that this is a comedy that could even exist in 1954. Just because it's so i don't know it it's so in many ways kind of like I don't want to call it over the it, yeah it is just kind of over the top, but like it's just it's sort of hyper focus on uh like f- like women's suffrage but not suffrage but like emancipation is a really. Yeah. An interesting choice for a movie in nineteen fifty four is all i'm saying it it just seems surprising uh and like and her, she's also not she's aggressive and like and 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 as far as the movie is like focuses on her it is somewhat like uh like a little bit like the movie like writes her as being aggressive to the point of being like almost i don't know whether like grading a little bit but like she's not the bad guy
1: right and she's not kind she's of surprising not like, for the like a ball buster or something like that no right? no she's- no
0: I, I i just mean that like she's so pa- like strong that like the movie kind of does telegraph a little bit that like it's too much sometimes it gets i mean it works and I, You know what I mean? The movie keeps walking this razor's edge of being like trying to tell you that like th- the movie is both a really interesting thing and also doesn't 100% seem to know what it wants to be. Right. If that makes sense.
1: Right. Like because, yeah. I think ultimately the the baseline plot of the movie maybe sort of undermines Maggie in the end because she is the driving force through the entire all of the everything, right? Right. But what ultimately happens at the end of the movie is that she sets up Willie to be able to run her dad's shop on their terms. Right. Right. And Willie being able to do that frees her to essentially move back in and be a full-time caregiver for her dad. Right. And that, uh, that yeah, I mean, doesn't yes. seem great, but... <laughs>
0: No, it. I mean, while it is probably, f- like, while it is accurate, yeah, in the sense that that is that is very much the situation that lots of uh, people find themselves in. Like, it is not an inaccurate depiction of what ends up happening a lot of times, right? Right. Right. Uh, but it is. It's a really fascinating story because, like, it. This movie kind of like runs you around pretty hard like first of all it it ha- there's a lot of movie here right you get your money's worth for your hour and 10 minutes or, or your hour, uh, hour and 40 right, minutes yeah. because man there is a lot of plot yeah in this movie there's like four or five times you're like well that was a good movie i guess it's a took- wait a minute
1: <laughs> we've got a whole nother act
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, what is happening here? Like, especially when he starts seeing the rat and the... and the was, That one's the one that got me... I was like, this movie isn't over yet. What right. the hell is going on? Like, right. I thought we were done here. Yeah. Like, what? We're going to... There's apparently 20 more minutes of movie here. Um, But, like, you're right. It, the plot is really strange because it wants to be about women's liberation. But it also... Undercuts its point to some extent, but then also reinforces its point because after Willie's like stands up for himself against right. her it's, and her dad, it's all he her machinations. Comes back as soon as it's over, it's all still like,
1: he's it's like, all, Did I do a good job? Yeah. And
0: it's, she's like, Yeah, you're a good old boy, aren't you? And just gives him a little yeah. punch on the chin.
1: It's all her machinations the entire time, right? This is all her process is to. Get her freedom on her terms and freedom on her terms also includes still caring for her family, which is fine, right? Right. You know, because it is yeah. her terms. Um Yeah. And you know, I mean there's no it's not explicit that she's taking care of the dad at the end, but the fact that they're moving back in the house and Willie set up as the front of house manager of, of the shop. Well I think
0: she even at one point says, I'll like it is implied, like yeah. I, don't, I feel like she even says something to the effect of like I can take a step back or something, right? A right? Right, bit or something right, like that. right? Yeah. Like she, while Willie is still like, does do that thing at the end where he's like, "Did I do a good job of being like strong?" Like, right? Which sort of, so, like, firmly plants at the very end of the movie that like she's still the boss. She also seems. He also, she seems to have made a project of making him more assertive in general, right, right? Like not just, not just when she's like, like pushing him to be, but just in general more assertive. Yeah. But, but as there's times where he goes pretty hardcore, especially on the sisters. When like, is that part of the plan, or is, she, is, is, is right, this is just right, who right. he is now?
1: Yeah, and it's it's not who he is now, which is really interesting too. Because, you know, it could be more Dickensian where Willie becomes this, you know, sort of uh, overbearing capitalist in the end, right? right? I mean, it, she, she in getting her emancipation, raises Willie up. Um, presumably, we hope Willie, and he seems to be remembering the lessons that he has learned as he comes back to interact with, with his own employees moving forward willie right. seizes the means at the end certainly but he is not necessarily getting everyone else out of the basement as he gets out of the basement right
0: i mean yeah that he's not becoming partner also with tubby or whatever the guy's right. name is right. too right. which is i mean like that would have been too much to hope for for a 1954 <laughs> film but Probably. it would have been pretty great if it yeah. became like the like the the like the late hobson's sh- like boutier collective or something like that yes workers co-op like i mean that would have been pretty great uh but like come on like come on
1: yeah yeah Uh, like everybody everybody's got pretty ginsian names in here too like uh like beanstalk being the the which I operators and...
0: really had a hard time comprehending was not them just being really mean to this guy. <laughs>
1: right? For like a long time, I was like,
0: "Well, they're being like really nasty to this nah. guy." Like, says
1: it, says it on the why window. Makes everybody a jerk to him. Says it on the window. Yeah, we I mean, reveal. I kind of missed that one. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's. I mean, there is a problem in this movie because of that. Like, there, you do run into a problem with Dickens adaptation adaptations too, where you're like. Those things you would read in a book and be like, well, because of the sentence structure and everything like that, I can process this as a name, even though it is very clearly not a fucking name. Right. Right. Uh, Like when as soon as you put them into the real world, into like the sort of like semi closer to the real world position of a movie, the 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 sort of absurdist nature of those name choices becomes a little bit harder to deal with. If that makes sense, it's like because now, like now, it's moving around and and the. this person whose name this like way too on the nose name is right. now talking, and people are calling them by this name. It, it feels like what what is this strange nightmare I live in? Yeah, it, Beanstalk is a bit much.
1: Yeah, yeah, but like the the other boyfriend, is it the other boyfriend? There's there's uh, Sam Mins is the one guy who's a lawyer. Yeah, like yeah. summons. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's they're all like yeah, you know, it's, it's all just, like that. Yeah. It's Which, very I mean, And even Tubby is, is Wadlow. But it was a play. Tubby Wadlow, who lives in the basement. Uh, right. You know.
0: I would say that for a play written in 1916, it makes a lot of
1: sense. Right, right. You know, and it's a comedy written in 1916. It
0: is. It's fine. It, like I said, though, there's this this weird thing that happens, you know, with the progression of time and stuff where, like, this just becomes, this feels like a little bit, like, too much, right? Right. <laughs> But yeah, and you know
1: Hobson's name is its own joke. One because it's right. a, a reference to the, to the concept of the Hobson's choice—the uh, something that appears to be a free choice, but ultimately it's take it or leave it. You know, you're not right. Um, and then you know his name is also alliterative. It's what Henry Horatio Hobson. It's I mean it's a funny name. Period. Right. In its own yeah. right. Even if it is not Dickensian in the same way, but but yeah, it's it is. An yeah, interesting... I mean, it's also
0: it is also Dickensian because a hobnail is a kind of <laughs> screw used on a shoe. Right. Like, I mean, yes, It yes. kind of is. It,
1: it also kind of is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I am interested in the class politics of this. Because it's also very just British capitalist in its class politics too. Right. I mean, we're not dealing with any aristocracy here. We are dealing with.
0: Uh, well, we get one. Uh, we get one. Like, we get one. At one least rich, lady. extremely well-to-do, uh, <laughs> yeah, older woman who
1: is the sort of benefactor that allows this to sort of right, the whole right. Plan she to is come together. She is the Havisham here, without being the. Without having the uh,
0: without all the the, the baggage like, of the Havishams' closets yeah. or uh,
1: uh, attics and stuff, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no uh, there's no machinations on on our Havishams' end this time. Right? Um, what's her name? Hepworth, I think. Um, oh, I don't. I
0: Yeah. I mean, at some point, I gave up <laughs> on trying to remember I was like, names. Yeah, I was like, "This is a person in the movie." Yeah. Like, I recognize them from earlier. Basically, it's fine. Um, are are the two women who played the other two daughters? They are not related. Holy shit! Are they like? It is. I don't. That's some casting right there. I don't know <laughs> what. They, they do like, look.
1: They do look alike.
0: They are. Vi- they are. They look like sisters. Like yeah. it is fucking wild.
1: Well, they are. They are British blonde women in a black-and-white movie, so... <laughs> um, true,
0: true, but I struggle but they, with that less than... They than, do
1: They do legitimately look alike. Yeah, it's very it's very well cast uh, on a look basis, but...
0: Uh, well, they do fine as the
1: actresses. Yeah, in I, mean, well well. I mean, it's well cast, I, period. I mean, they,
0: there's no acting problems in this movie, uh, really, at all. Um, I would say, yeah, no, I mean, in general, it's pretty well acted. I generally liked... It felt like a a, a stage play comedy, right. right? which is fine. I'm always kind of on board for that. It's it certainly really
1: something I like. It certainly wasn't shot like a stage play, really. No, no. I no. mean, so there's some very like innovative and surprising, not just like the special effects stuff we've talked about already with his hallucinations, but like the scene where he falls into Beanstalk's storage uh, elevator, and right. like. <laughs> Like we get this shot from below, like he's falling, falling a hundred feet or something, right? And the whole—I well, feel
0: like that. So, to a certain extent, we've come to expect that from David Lean, like <laughs> he does this sort of the, like, interesting David stylistic things, like, yeah. Right, like I've I've come to understand David Lean as like decided that he read the assignment as given by the teacher and then like decided to go for extra credit or something like. There's always – David. I feel like David Lean <laughs> films often have, like, you didn't have to do that, you know. like, Right, right. It's cool, but, like, probably you didn't have to. And, yeah, thinking, to.
1: About, thinking about the atmosphere of his uh, his great expectations, too. It's exactly, just, yeah, exactly. It's very much very everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just – it's like – I don't know. It feels like he's always going for extra credit or something. I, he – and, you know, I mean, I think we've been – in my own – we <laughs> – it's not hard to encounter David Lean films. They're, they're pretty easy to come by. Yeah. And, like, we've everybody's seen a fair... Like, I feel like everybody's seen a fair number of David Lean films at in their <laughs> just, lives.
1: Just, just by nature of having a television on.
0: <laughs> having a television, and your television probably came with TMC or AMC. Yeah. You've probably seen at least, like, five David Lean films. Um, And, like, I, I don't know. Again, like, it always just... He just does this thing where he's like, I could have just shot this... This way, and it would have been fine. But instead, I did this crazy thing for no reason. That, I mean, looks awesome. Don't get me wrong; cool stuff. There's a lot of there's a lot of neat film work in this movie. There's a lot of neat editing. He uses close-ups in a way that is really fascinating to me. Like he, especially like when dealing with the friends and stuff, and like as as. I I feel like we he This may just be my, my brain. This may not be real, but I feel like the more disgusting the friends get, the closer <laughs> we get to them. Yes. I feel like the camera is always I feel like every scene as we sort of progress through the story and the friend his friends at the bar are like becoming more are just like Yeah. The more Lean wants us to understand that these guys fucking suck. Right. The closer the camera gets.
1: And they and they suck because they are absolutely normal for what that class of man oh, absolutely. is.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um Yeah, it's fun. And like even like Beanstalk's dad is the way he's shot, always leering. And I love-
0: I, I love him because you're like I like we're like ten minutes in the movie, I'm like, I found the villain. Turns out no, not the villain, not at all. But boy, you're like I, I was like,
1: he's and, introduced and what as a, a villain, like, certainly, right?
0: Yeah, and like, man, I was like, is this going to be a movie about temperance? Is that what this is going to be about? Is this going to be like, like, and it kind of a little bit is, but it's not like, right? You can definitely because tell that maybe the 1916 play was more about that than this. If you're coming,
1: um, if you're coming into this. And your sympathies lie with Hobson. He's kind of WC w. Fields character for the first little bit, right? Right. And you know Fields had that same like misogyny, but it wasn't played for evil, right? Um, right. And you know the the scene that introduces uh, the older Beanstalk, where he's he's where he calls his son <laughs> over and explains it's that so good that Hobson's conscious is going to tell him that Beanstalk is watching. And <laughs> we get that shot from the window of Beanstalks turning right. around and looking at the window. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, it is. And you're like, and like, I was,
0: the way that like, Lean sort of fucking fakes you out. Yeah. Multiple times in the first like 20 minutes of the movie. We are like, I know what this movie is about. And you're like, right. no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> you think you don't. You do. But you do not. Because guess what? This guy, borderline irrelevant to the story. <laughs> Like, right. but you think he's the bad guy for probably fully thirty minutes of the movie,
1: yeah, I um. mean it is it is the overarching threat of his existence does right does right. provide a plot point later in the movie, but true, but he is not he is not a villain in any in any means. he's just the temperance guy who is the foil two hops in but they never really even meet in person either no no like right?
0: and that's what i mean is that like you it really there's it, their conflict
1: is is yeah is is purely ideological old. and purely right. uh purely separated within the context of the film
0: too. right and it's borderline just background material <laughs> to the story to just right. make sure that you understand sort of the stakes <laughs> of everything involved right, right. It,
1: it's right. it's very good um Yeah. It, it Sam is not the boyfriend. Albert is Albert Prosper is, is the boyfriend's name, but but yeah, Sam summons the publican is still a guy who exists. Um uh anyway. Uh just the whole like concept of this movie being um Maggie playing like 5 degree chess the entire time and like adapting right. on the fly as new information right. comes well, to her. Right. Like, Specifically
0: Maggie playing 5 de- like you know Five D chess, and then everybody else is essentially like doesn't even know that they're playing a game. Basically, right, it's a really right. fascinating. Yeah, it's a really fascinating thing to watch. Like, and like once you know that she, even once you know that this is what's happening, the number of times that she'll be like, where you'll like find out after the fact that that was also part of right. the plan. Right. And you're like, holy, and like, and it doesn't read like a poorly written story, like you know you get that all the time right in in bad especially in like bad like uh, bad like detective fiction or something we' like, actually, yeah, I've been, <laughs> but like no, and this is really, like, yeah, no, I buy it, like yeah, she's ready, she knows that like this is what her dad's gonna do, or like right. She knows what yeah. the, the people around her are going to do. It's really fascinating. Like the
1: only unbelievable aspect of all that is that everyone else is really good at acting in Maggie's <laughs> Maggie's plans. <laughs> until we get right, right, yeah, right, where we don't we don't know if they're acting or not until we get to the end, and Maggie says, "Yeah, that was great, everybody. <laughs> good job, everybody. Yeah. Good job, everybody.
0: you were a good boy. You're a good lad. Good job." <laughs> I need I need my brain. I understand that the counterpart to Lass is Lad. Yeah. But the fact that, like the way that they address each other, I can't deal. I I keep like it keeps causing my brain to like hiccup a little bit. <laughs> it's like that's not what you call somebody you're like, in like, in an intimate relationship like that with. Like you don't call them lad and lad. It's like that's what you call a child who's under you. It's very un- I, I understand, but also I can't. I keep my it keeps causing me trouble throughout the movie (laughs) well I'm sorry I'm sorry that it keeps
1: causing you trouble try to get beyond it I guess I, I, I tried I didn't but I tried but yeah you know it's it is interesting that this was written in 1915 because I think sociologically it was still using this it was still offering the same message sociologically in 1954. Yeah, I'm
0: sure. Right? Well, sure. I I think <laughs> what that probably is stronger in the I, again, this is just a just totally left field guess. But my guess is because of the nature of this, the the time period. My guess is that the 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 temperance and the uh right. and the, fee, and, the and the and the um women's liberation aspects were probably closer tied together in the 1950 15 version. I, my guess is that like, like in this version, the temperance stuff is more of a background character. Right. And than, I think, then it probably would have been in 1915 version. Right. Having I'm not still seen still another,
1: else. another version of this and having not read the play, I can't, I can't say. Right. Particularly we don't know how separated sure. that in, it just is. Like it but at the same time, you know, just as important in 1915 and 1954, this is a story about a father, you know, Losing authority and a right. daughter, you know, wanting her self-determination and individualism and, you know, the, and it's a, a workman getting self-determination too, right? And, right? and growing his own self-esteem through his relationship with, with that daughter. Uh Yeah, it's, it's very fun. The way she just like marches into his landlord, <laughs> Who has, who has also that apparently done the same wild. thing to him.
0: To just, yeah, that scene as well because you it, it takes a while for you to fully understand that the uh, the landlord is running basically the same a, a similar scheme <laughs> yeah. but just a not as good one. <laughs> right.
1: Not as fully fleshed out. Like she she hasn't right. seen the end game in the same way Maggie has, right? Right. So
0: well, and that, and that and in many ways, unfortunately, that is where we do start to get into more upsetting sort of like class politics, right? Because Maggie is it, it, it Maggie's class position starting does allow her to conceive and even possibly have a goal that ends the way right. that hers does. That landlord and that landlord's daughter, even though they probably do actually maybe recognize the talent, he has but the hope most they could hope to get out of him is a steady paycheck because right. he does have this talent but they don't have access to any of the necessary societal resources to even remotely make that kind of plan come to fruition
1: right and we see that in their neighborhood of the row houses and the smokestacks that are the right. background as maggie and willie have that conversation where she says to kiss her and he's he right. says, Well, it seems like kissing you would be to agree to all this. <laughs> that's not something he wants to do yet. Um, but yeah, I mean Maggie That's where, you know, her name being Maggie, she's a very Margaret Thatcher sort of capitalist character too, right? right. Um And like the the thing she says to him, you're a business idea in the shape of a man, it's yeah, it's all very disgusting.
0: Like <laughs> Yeah, I mean it is it is You know, we get into this problem, and like this is a kind of a constant kind of conflict in society in general. This movie does present us with a very clear problematic concept, which is: yes, we should want her to be fully emancipated, but also this entire system fucking sucks balls. This
1: is—it's all horrible. And what we see play out is like the landlords and the landlord daughter's dream of just comfort in their current life. Maggie's dream. She is the smartest person in this movie by right. magnitudes. Right. And ultimately what she settles into is her own comfort in her current station. Right.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and, Cause like, and you know, he can, and uh, even, even as we end up the movie, right? Like, Willie is empowered to have slightly bigger dreams, right? Yeah. To be like like this idea of like moving up in station and everything like that. But like Maggie's not really, right? Like what Maggie did was create a universe where she can, as you said, like have the things that she in theory kind of sort of had at the beginning of the movie, but like on her own terms and like they're hers, hers. Right. But, like, even then, like, you know, as as we do see in these kind of movies, right, like, she's still dependent on him for any of this to work, right? Like, right. In, in the sense that, like, she's emancipated, but also she's, like, in lots of movies about that involve capitalism as a sort of fundamental, like, linchpin of the entire story. Like, it's all dependent on this very, could, like, disappear at a moment. I mean, like... He he is the sort of linchpin that this thing revolves around, and, you know, her plan and her situation now will could cease to exist almost immediately if he ceased to exist in some capacity, right? right. So she's emancipated, but she's not, right? Because she's still stuck in this shitty system where, like, if he were to get sick, oh, I mean, it all just goes poof. Right. I mean, in hopefully... You know, she's saved enough money to, like, hire another, uh, you know, bootmaker that can do sufficiently good work. You know what I mean? Like, it's all that, those contingency bullshit that you get with, like, capitalist nightmare societies where it's like, well, hopefully, hopefully you've got a plan for when this all goes to shit.
1: Right. And, you know, all of that is what really rounds out Maggie as a character, too, right? Because she's not just the person who was forced to do this unpaid labor and then manipulates the system into doing the same thing, but as paid labor. Um, But she's also, you know, she's, she is a complicated person, far more, far more complex of a person than I would expect from the sort of movie that Hobson's choice is. Right. It's just, I mean, just, yeah, I, yes. Yeah. Just, you know,
0: she's complicated, but again, it is also, I mean, she is the character in the movie. Like, yeah. There's really not any other majorly like Hobson the dad is probably the closest thing to a another full
1: character we get. Yeah. Um, and he's pretty, you know, one note.
0: If yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean he is he is only close because it is very meant to be very one dimensional, right? Like right. he's supposed to be able for the audience to be read him like like a book, right? Like Yeah. Maggie's the only one who's going to offer you surprises in this film. And
1: that's on purpose, right? Right, and you know, of course, Hobson could be rounder. We could be that all of this is just because he misses his wife or something, you know, or whatever. Um, there could be more. But alas, story.
0: they go for the shitty
1: version of that,
0: which <laughs> is the thank God she's thank God the old ball and chain is dead, right? Right, where he's
1: just a bad uh, a bad just, guy, no. where he's just a bad human being.
0: <laughs> and it may, and and you get kind of problematic, right? Like that does become a whole another problem because. It would be nicer if you could have sympathy for him, right? In the like, it would be a nicer movie, and that's if like if the daughter's love kind of existed for any reason beyond like filial like piety, basically. Right, and like he doesn't not deserve love. Like this man has earned no love. (laughs) That's
1: yeah, yeah. It's. That's where this movie gets, or this story in general gets gets its closest to that sort of ballbuster feminism so, sort of thing, is that he is actually just an irredeemable patriarch, right? It's, yeah, absolutely. And this movie really is—it's interested in removing him from power, but not in redeeming him. Right. And that's that maybe doesn't feel great in the end, um, right?
0: Well, and the weird thing, but and here's why: I really think a fundamental flaw, not not to say this movie is like bad, like okay, but a fundamental flaw is that the I believe that the movie doesn't think it needs to because of filial piety. Yeah, I think it believes that like, oh, we don't need to redeem him because he doesn't have to be redeemed. He's dad, of course you have to love him. Right. Of course you have to take care of him. Yeah, Maggie's got to get her own. She's got to secure that cash, but like. In the end she's gotta come back because you can't just abandon dad. Right. Like lady, dad is a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. You need to drop dad like he's like <laughs> like the garbage he is and just yeah. let dad be dad off on his Because like dad, you do you owe dad nothing. Right. Here. In that in that that ain't uh, done
1: shit. In that description of it, it's it's almost like an ozu but turned up to eleven. Um and right, right, yeah. Right? It's just, uh, yeah,
0: well, exactly right. Like, because at least in an Ozu, you're like, you like seem like nice guys, yeah. Everybody actually is on board with this situation. This guy seems pleasant enough, like, guys are pleasant and the shitty patriarchal system, but he seems like a nice,
1: yeah, nice enough dude. And the daughters don't hate the position they've been put in necessarily, right? Um, right until things i mean that's changes. a whole other problem right. with ozu's
0: perspective on the universe but <laughs> right, like, let's right, right right
1: right we talk like, about that with an ozu movie not this one um yeah. and we have uh but yeah i love ozu to death i really do but uh yeah it's just yeah. in maggie's complicatedness she sort of absorbs the she absorbs the complexity of all other characters, I guess. It's right. Like we only get one super complex character and everybody else like the the sisters might as well be I mean, they're not they're not quite as evil, but they might as well be Cinderella stepsisters, right? They're just Yeah,
0: yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, they're not yeah, they don't hit quite that peak, but like yeah. they're extremely self interested.
1: Have no regard for Yeah. And, and like And Maggie is self-interested. It's just that that self-interest sphere requires one guy um, and one particular guy. It doesn't, it's not just, I will use any man to, to get power. Her plan necessitates uh, using the most talented bootmaker in the city too. Right. You
0: know, right. (laughs) Uh, An undiscovered talent, right? Like, and in that sense, you run into this problem, like not to deviate from the sisters, who are a whole other topic, right? But yeah. like, in that sense, it resembles like I I forget I, I don't know is the phrase like I'm I'm trying to think. There's a kind of story. I don't know. I don't know if like a Mary Sue is what what I'm looking for because I can't. I've never been able to get a full grasp of that <laughs> term. Yeah, because uh, I'm kind of an idiot. But like, in this sense, like it has that one. Holy fantastical element of like undis—I found this undiscovered genius that I've got to exploit. Like it's like this sort of fantasy of there's just this guy, and like sometimes it's the the person themselves dreaming about their coming their their undiscovered genius coming to fruition. In this environment, it's her with this undiscovered genius, but like in the end, it's like it does promote this concept that you're. Okay, like this, I'm going to take a really hard line, and then we're going to walk it back. Okay, Uh, this concept that you're only worth elevating in society if you have some hyper, like that, like your talent is what makes it. You have to be exploitable, worthy of being elevated. Yeah, you you know what I mean? Like, and it happens in movies all the time, right? Where it's like, ah. You deserve to be of higher station than you are because you are right possessed of this magical talent. This is it's like yeah. no, he just deserves to be of a higher station because he's a human fucking being. God damn it! Uh, right. but no,
1: right, yeah, yeah. It's it's pure meritocracy in this movie too, right? And that's that's sort of the British class culture outside of the aristocracy once it's what it wants to be, right? Pure pure meritocracy.
0: Well, and all all of these sort of modern liberal democracy kind of right. it's, capitalist societies, right? It's like, oh well you deserve to be who you are because yeah. you worked hard or whatever. Like and then the movie kind of doubles down on that by by the whole part of the whole plot is lowering their dad the dad's station right because he has
1: nothing to contribute to this. Right, right. Because he uh, he doesn't have the merit, right. Right. And, and certainly and like, the father and fr- is you know. higher up than he should be, but... Right. Like how did... And,
0: and that's a whole... F- go ahead, sorry.
1: You know, how did the business get to be what it was? It got to I be what it was baffled because of the it. exploited labor of its children, but, like, did did the business not exist until they were all 12? Is that... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. My
0: guess is... My guess is that the quote unquote ball and chain that, like I, have you know, right, right. That's the way is, I is regard it. Is the dead mom the
1: person who who actually probably. ran the whole business?
0: I'm uh, almost certain of it. I think that's the sort of undercurrent of the entire story, and that like Maggie being the oldest watched mom, right, and and sort of picked up what mom was actually doing. Um, does that mean which there's is a whole other fascinating thing to discuss? Does
1: that right? mean there's a generational story where uh, Hopson was Willie? At one point, uh, we never, we never. Yeah, explore. but I get the
0: impression Hobson's fucking useless. I don't think. Yeah, Hobson's, Hobson, I think, Hobson's
1: just a merchant. He is not a manufacturer. Right. In he has any no way, skills. Right. You know? He really has. Ho- no skills. Hobson
0: is literally
1: the weight that's pulling down the rest. Of, like, <laughs>
0: right. Everybody else there. Right. Just right. sucking the the profit out of this this and being. Enterprise.
1: You know, being an autocrat as he is, uh, he is a stand-in not for someone of his class his presented class in this story but metaphorically he is a stand-in for a a higher class of person in the right. story yeah, too absolutely. right absolutely yeah. <laughs> because you know we only really get one person higher than him and he does so show deference to her right and uh, right. an absurd deference to to Hep- uh, Hepworth or whatever her name is uh, where he's you know apologizing and assuring her it'll never happen again as uh, she's uh, trying uh, to compliment Willie yeah, right right <laughs> yeah um, uh, which you know a lot of great comedy I really actually love the the intro to this movie where where the first scene we the first thing we see is a boot hanging in the breeze like it's yeah like it's a like it's a dead man like we're like it's a hung man um, right and then we pull back to see it's a sign and then we pan through and it does a, you know it's a pretty classic like mid-century comedy thing of panning across the shoes and then we get to the baby shoes and a a lullaby plays in the soundtrack and it's silly but and then he yeah but i mean it works right it's the it's 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 right and then hobson bursts on that kind of movie right um (laughs) in his drunken stuber and when he when he charges up the stairs uh is very fun too like right
0: and i and i like that like the the movie does play around with the idea of like you. It really doesn't let you know a lot of information for for a pretty long period of time, right? You don't know who this motherfucker is. Like right. this this drunk ass dude, just like falling around. Like is he Hobson? I don't I don't know. Like not really. I have a, my suspicions, but like, but introducing him drunk in the way he is does definitely like okay. I know I know this guy. I've got this guy on lock within five minutes of the start of, of like seeing him. Right. But, you know, other people we had to figure out over time, but we, we get a, we know who Hobson is almost immediately in in terms of like his behavior and his personality.
1: Um, right. But, and, you know, ultimately, well, it's less, uh, less a a class thing. Ultimately what this movie is, Trying to show is that a husband and wife working together, bringing equal things to the relationship, grows both of them. Right is right. is really where Maggie and Willie exist together. Right, and they both they both are bettered for that. Whereas overbearing patriarchy, uh, just exercising its privilege, uh, leads to downfall. And that's right. that's Hobson yeah. himself. Right. So. Yeah, he's a it's a silly character in it, and you know that sort of patriarchy should be mocked. <laughs> Any patriarchy should be mocked,
0: right? Uh, and, and and it's the it's a classic case of well, we'll ex- we'll to a certain extent exaggerate this concept to the point where you can't possibly think
1: it's a good thing. Yeah,
0: like we're like okay, well, like we're gonna make it so that it's impossible for you to be on Hobson's team, right? Without feeling like it's just a total yeah.
1: ass. Uh, yeah, and and I'll come back to as, as icky as I feel about a lot of Maggie's choices and where she ends up at the end of the plot, it is still about her self-determination and her choosing what her life will be like, right? She is living right, a life absolutely. of her own design at the end. Right, and,
0: and and the problem I encounter a lot in movies now is that like it's hard to not see it has a gilded cage in the sense that like right. she, like all the characters in this movie, is trapped in a nightmare that like her choice is a choice, but it's a choice of like which part of said like, right.
1: gilded cage you'll get to yeah. live in. Well um, okay, you know, let's take the Hobson's choice metaphor even further. And all of this exists in the Hobson's choice of capitalism, right? You either right, right. you and, either and, agree to be I'm in the saying... system or you die. And
0: that... Right, no, absolutely, and that's and that's my point. Like, yeah. I I know it's not fair because, like, I will never, I I refuse to judge movies based on not, I will not judge a movie based on like, the movie not choosing to end with like a people's revolution of, <laughs> right, the, of right. the fucking as every Copplers movie should. The of the but... movie. <laughs> right, like, yes, absolutely, Maggie should be leading a people's revolution because she's fucking smart as hell. Yeah, um, but. Like, I'm not going to hold it against the movie, but, you know, I guess it's just always like whenever you in this comes out, especially in movies that have these sorts of like emancipation and and liberation themes. It's hard not to be like, and then I ran into that invisible wall where I still have to do this or else I'm going to starve to death.
1: Right, right. It's yeah, you can't. This is not a movie out to condemn the whole system. And because it's not out to condemn the whole system, it doesn't fully realize its entire metaphor either, right?
0: Right, right. And again, I can't hold it again. I will almost never hold it against any movie unless that movie claims to be revolutionary in nature. Like, this movie does not. It is a 1954 comedy that makes some fascinating endeavors into uh women's liberation and things like that that are that are valuable for a movie in nineteen fifty four to be engaged with uh and certainly a play in nineteen fifteen like uh but like you know in the end right like yeah in the end yeah <laughs> like <laughs> we all know in the end what what the the actual deal is right and what
1: the actual choice is right right it's uh yeah. You know. Work a job you hate to get healthcare, at least in the U.S. So,
0: right, and 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 certainly in whatever era of uh, England this is supposed to be, is yeah. that is one hundred percent definitely true. Yeah, I think. like the fact that that Hobson can afford to have a doctor come and check it out, check out his his now dead liver, and then yeah. argue
1: with him is right. is a sign to just how wealthy Hobson is. Right, right and his wealth is built on the exploitation of Absolutely. his own family and his his workers and his family as they right. are uh you know slave labor really you know because they are working right. for, for uh, they are working for presumably room and board period right right um which is not yeah you
0: know. and really hardly that since they are also preparing at least the board part right Right. Like, really, they're not even working for board because, like, he ain't making anything. Yeah. Maybe possibly he's paying for it, but since since Maggie is generating all the wealth... Right. ...and then using said wealth to go purchase the food that is used to make dinner, really, Hobson is contributing even less than... Pos- right. Like, somehow even less than, 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 than normal... Yes. ...to
1: these environments. Right. You know, and in that regard, this movie takes the unpaid labor of housework and turns it up to 11 too, right because they're not just doing the unpaid labor of housework they're doing the unpaid they are furthering that unpaid labor to being the uh the spine of the man's supposed business too right Right. uh yeah yeah there is a lot of good in this movie uh there is it
0: it just it suffers from a lot of it does always as you run, run into these kind of things suffer from a little bit of, like, sort of girl boss ideology problems, right? Of, like, yes, Maggie's made her position in the world better, and that is a good thing that she was able to do that for herself. But also now Maggie is a girl boss who may or may not start exploiting other laborers. Like, we don't... Hard to say we don't get that it's it's definitely conceivable that that's where it goes right that she's now employing a bunch of people for low wages to make money
1: yeah well she she her shop. she moves into the basement is what happens in the pl- actual plot of the movie right they right, the apartment yes, they yeah. get together that is their shop and their workspace is also their house and is the basement
0: so right no, i know i mean but my, i'm talking about the the very very end of the movie yeah. right like right. maggie's gotten her goals right and but Has it's, moved it's, back into the grand is,
1: house, right?
0: Right. It is very conceivable that the next step of that goal is now I get to put my own laborers down there in the basement and exploit right. them. You know what I mean? Like, it's that The movie does not say that. I'm not going to blame the movie for the not say that. I'm not going to accuse it of saying that. But it's it's very easy in one's mind's eye mind eye mind's eye to imagine that that's the next step, right? Right. Well, we you know now i now I get to be the one who exploits Tubby right, and we sort of kind
1: of I think the last line of the movie is is Willie calling to Tubby right to you know I'm in charge now sort right. of thing, so right I don't know it 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 opens up to go either way, and I think really what this movie ultimately suffers from is David Lean wasn't a socialist <laughs> so, right, and
0: that's that's always i mean right. How often has that been the problem with <laughs> yeah, the movie? Yeah. I mean, pretty often. No. It, you know, and, and but and then like you always you do run into this sort of mental where you start doing this weird calculation in your head where you're like, and because of that, in the end, will Willie and Maggie's success mean the the sort of you know, a miseration of some other person. Right. Which, I mean, we already know that it is her dad, but her dad deserves it. And also, like, he's got a station that he doesn't earn or anything like that. But, like, again, I, I, I don't know. I've I, I basically just broken myself for movies. <laughs> I can't watch <laughs> movies anymore. Um, and the result is, like, I can't stop thinking about the fact that, like, her dream fundamentally is her a better more secure place in the sort of capitalist hierarchy right that means there are definitely people who are under her yeah and the movie tells us that's a good thing and in some ways it's good right because she is to a certain extent emancipated to the point where she is making her own self-determined choices but then again do like it's like a rags to it's like anytime you read like a rags to riches ceo kind of story where like yeah, but like now you're just exploiting a whole bunch of people. Right? Not like your right. your success is the exploitation of other people, right? Right. Um,
1: and that's and that's, you know, where the landlord is interesting is that it is literally the same thing. They are both just dreaming of being on the top of their pile. And right. they both Absolutely. want to use the same man to do it. And where the landlord fails is that she could be using that man to <coughs> get to the top of a slightly higher pile not the pile right, she's in right but
0: again the landlord has that, that's not a possibility it's right. impossible the right. landlord that's because she doesn't she
1: doesn't have the privilege of already being in a higher class right right
0: you can't this this willie is not going to allow you to class jump right sorry that's not going to happen yeah because you know that landlord is never going to get the money to start up a shop to, it's impossible it's all impossible right so, and the landlord was going to be happy with that eighteen shillings a week, right that probably means like, hey, like everybody in this room gets to eat every week right like right
1: every week and and honestly, you know to the to the landlord's credit, uh getting Willie married to her daughter uh would also mean she's not a landlord anymore, <laughs> so you
0: know. right, also true, right, well, there we go, so really, what this is the story of is is someone in a sort of a, a sort of petite bourgeoisie position robbed a whole nother family of the one resource they possess like had right. any connection to that could have saved them in some way from from yep. absolute financial ruin.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. there's a there's a reason we don't talk about the landlord again after after the first step.
0: No, no, we pretend like that never happened
1: uh, because that family
0: who knows died two um, weeks
1: later <laughs> yeah i mean no presume like legit presumably there are plenty of uh workmen to exploit in the city to at least get uh, a yeah new, yeah to, although to at least one, get a new tenant uh right to get a new tenant
0: yeah that's true i mean but also do they make a full 18 shillings a week that's fair every week hard to say I don't actually know how much a shilling is. I just like saying it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have no concept of what that means in terms of money at all. Certainly
1: not in whatever time period the movie is supposed to be taking place. The British monetary system of the time was insane and uh, delightful to try like, and figure I, out.
0: I I find it baffling. Somebody's like, that's going to be a pound. And he just loses his shit. He's like, a pound? And like, I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, sure. Is that a lot? obviously it is cuz you're yeah. over, you're reacting to it
1: i think there's a, there's, but then, there's a point where maggie holds up two coins and it's very clearly a life-changing amount of money for to, right for who she's giving it to like uh yeah and then you know maggie's machinations being to trick their dad into paying $500 as a as a dowry essentially yeah uh yeah it's you know whatever 500 pounds is it's not an astronomical it is not money that will bankrupt him and the thousand wanted to bankrupt him he never makes that argument right right but He's it's just, just money not he doesn't to want to pay
0: right i mean in the end i treat most movies that deal with british monetary systems the same way i treat D money <laughs> where i'm like that's probably a dollar that doesn't exist i don't know <laughs> Like I, like any any number of any amount of money you suggest to me I'm like it's probably a dollar, I don't know. Whatever. Ah, it's so all fake anyway.
1: Sounds like tuppence. Uh <laughs> I mean is that two? I don't know, man. Like Well, a tuppence is 2 pennies. That's literally what it means, but where that actually fits into the hierarchy of what what the exchange right. rate between different denominations is. I have no right. idea. Right. No, I,
0: I it literally, British money and, and D&D money fit firmly exactly in the same category of, like, I couldn't tell you what added to what equals what. Like, how many of that do I need to have this? No idea. Is it 10? Maybe. Is it 100? Possibly. it could, You could tell me it's 38, and I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. So there's 38 shillings in a pound. Okay, fine, cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, checks out. I'd be interested in seeing how the class politics change in the 1983 CBS Americanized television version of this movie. Oh god,
0: but it's on CBS, so like it they may have gotten worse somehow. Oh,
1: it definitely got worse. Uh it is set in 1914 New Orleans. Uh to oh. uh yeah. Um I think we found I think I think we found a patreon episode don't, <laughs> no. you don't
0: want to know how deeply racist that 1980 it is going, 84
1: i guarantee it will be impossible to find is why it can't be our bonus definitely episode. true definitely <laughs> not, true
0: uh but boy i bet that i bet that is it is either racist because it's just normal racist right. or it's racist because it's in new orleans and there's not a single black person in the entire movie those are our two options Basically, either way, I think I I think we have a winner. I we're just going to find it. I'll see if there's a torrent of it.
1: <laughs> there's definitely not a torrent of it. <laughs> um,
0: uh, the idea of that's if that's it. oh man, sorry I I can't now my brain. This was
1: 1984,
0: 1983, 83. Hobson's choice, 1983 TV movie.
1: I think I oh actually God, did I find the, it. Yeah,
0: oh, me too. I found the 1920 version.
1: I'm sure they're all all interesting to watch. Unfortunately, this wasn't one of the times where the Criterion provided us with every other version of an a- adapted movie. Wouldn't that be wouldn't it? But also, wouldn't it be very funny? I don't think that's a good idea, but
0: maybe. No, I don't. It, I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying it's very funny to me. This movie is is also in general just a funny comedy. Yeah. It is it no, is a perfectly it's enjoyable funny, movie. It's well done. It's enjoyable. If you get beyond the fact that like apparently you and I are both broken with regards to enjoying any movie that features capitalism where they don't burn the system down. <laughs> at the right. End. Or at least talk about um,
1: burning the system down.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, at least have a meeting, guys. Uh the least you could do. But like, I mean, beyond that, like, it's a good movie. I mean, it's good. It's well done. I really like I've really David Lean's just a really fucking good director. Yeah, absolutely. Like, does commercial work with really, like, with, like, touches of, like, really, really amazing work just chucked into things that, like, you know, you didn't probably have to work that hard, but you did.
1: Right. Um, I really admire it. It it just is really good work. Really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Lean is... Is phenomenal. And I mean, and
0: there's a reason why David Lean cited as like an inspiration for a, a bajillion directors. Yeah. Like everybody knows he's very, very good.
1: And he's, it's just every time we encounter one, I'm like,
0: man, he's really good at this. Yeah.
1: With the criterion, he is one of the, uh, the most utilized directors. We've, uh, we've, you know, we've seen a lot of David Lean work so far. Right. Right.
0: And, and I think deserve, and you know, deservedly, absolutely. So, right? deservedly so. Very good
1: fucking movies. Yeah. Uh Yeah, Yeah. and this is no exception to that. Uh, It's just – it's – it is very delightful, and it is very fun. And if I wanted to just check out and enjoy it, it might be a little complicated for that, but it is still –
0: Right. I mean, it does have that problem. I I had to pause it a lot while doing the dishes because I was like, oh, if I leave – because as, as previously mentioned, there's a lot of movie in this movie. Right, right. You leave for like two seconds. You're like, what the fuck is going on now? Why is there a fucking rat on screen? <laughs> what is
1: happening here? Oh, man. Right before the rat's has on the screen. There's a lot of
0: why is there a fucking rat yeah. on screen moments in a movie of this type.
1: Right before the rat's on the screen where he hallucinates all the bugs. That was...
0: I did not enjoy that. <laughs> I really found that that seemed unnecessary because it's
1: uh, like the bug thing is trying to ease you into the rat and
0: like right it's like does hey, not work. you need this doesn't as a, work as a, as a to pre-game the rat yeah um i was convinced because after that he starts hearing things and stuff right and then he sees the rat i was convinced that the bug was actually a real bug on his eyeball for just a brief <laughs> second <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's how focus works, but you know what? You set up this, you set the stage for it. Fine. Right. right.
1: Yeah, and then he sees himself as a young man in the mirror, and like, I don't know. It's no, just wait. Is it? Is it, I see? I
0: was not sure because that young man, him, looks a lot like his extremely annoying friend
1: at the bar. I guess there's that too. It could be. I couldn't tell. I I I wasn't sure you saying it was going it's
0: for. a young version of him? I totally believe it. I don't know, but I, I read it as that annoying friend because they, you know, black and white movie. Yeah,
1: I mean, part of that's going to come back around to me just wishing there was a redemption arc for Hobson instead of.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, that that may be, Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, mean, I guess. Yeah. Listen,
1: removing yeah. someone like Hobson from power is good. All right. Right. Period. And that's step one. But getting Hobson back to where he is a contributing member of this this society, too, would be better. And you know, right. any exploration, Convincing
0: Hobson to also help you burn the system down. <laughs> right? That's is that's of co- is of course
1: the goal, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's a fun movie, and uh, yeah, I'm just.
0: I I will say one thing that that I did watch this with my children. At least half of it. Um, well, I watched it with John. Dylan was not interested yeah. in whatever the hell this was. Like he was like, uh. But the best part was John encountering the concept of this era's way of doing dress shirts. Yes. Fucking blew his mind. Oh, I love it. He's like, What is happening here? Where's his shirt? (laughs) Like, he's like, Is that real? Like, he actually looked at me. Like, he looked and he's like, Wait, is that real? And I was like, Yeah, no, that's how they used to do it. And he's like, It looks very uncomfortable. I'm like, He's like, is it made of cardboard? It was a great conversation. Essentially, yes. <laughs> and like, I was like, I don't know if it's cardboard or just extremely heavily starched, but yeah. one way or the other, something to that effect. Um, but then I was like, you know what, though? We need, what we need to do is bring this, well, I, I understand that dickies exist, right? That's that's the 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 turtleneck where you, it's not a turtleneck, but it's just the collar of a turtleneck, and then the front is called a dickie, right? I think so, yes. So that does exist. Not anymore, because I don't think you can buy them anywhere. But I, I'm leaning towards, I understand that the actual collar looked very uncomfortable. But then I thought, how great would it be to not have to wear a shirt? Yes. So I think we need to bring a slightly more casual version of this concept
1: Well, Well, I mean, the problem is is we've eliminated the evening coat. And you can't. Unless you have right. a layer well, on top,
0: except for in evening code situations, right. of course. What I'm saying is, the next time I need to wear a suit to work, I don't want to wear a shirt, at right. them.
1: And that's that's the whole point of you know that style of of dress dicky is uh, is you don't you're going to put a jacket over top of it. Why buy a whole nice shirt? Just buy the part that's going right. to be visible no, and totally. uh, and have at it. I think we should bring that back. I think, yeah.
0: Although, I mean, again, the United States, I think, is largely eliminated the... Jacket. <laughs> jacket entirely. It's not eliminated here, and damn it, I want to not wear a shirt. I'm not saying I want to wear an undershirt. I want to wear no <laughs> shirt.
1: Have you tried that, Pat? Just a jacket and a tie? <laughs> I don't
0: know what it They got that, like, silk lining. That seems like it would be pretty yeah. pleasant. Or sticky? I think it'd get yeah. hot after a while. Incredibly, yeah, could yeah. get sticky. Well, we need to change the inside of the jackets too. That would be part of the that's project. Fair. I don't know, maybe some sort of like, uh, like some sort of va- you know vapor wicking yeah. like
1: bullshit ar- under Armour
0: nonsense or something. I don't know. I don't know what you'd put See, in now, there. But now all you're, you're doing is keep you sewing a sweaty. shirt
1: to the inside of a jacket. <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> this is true. You you are correct. But didn't you already do that? That's what the silk yeah, thing was. Yeah. No, that's fair. A jacket is or a, 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 a some sort of suit jacket is already essentially two shirts sewed together with some extra frou-frou attached to the outside.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Okay, Pat. Uh yes, if sir. I asked you to guess my favorite line of this movie, could you do it? Oh, um, no.
0: I, I. It's when Hobson oh, says, "I've been no, diddled." It's just. <laughs> oh. Oh well, that that checks out. Uh, I feel like there were a couple really good like uh, what I I liked the um I liked the scene where uh, his friends are reading the advertisement
1: and one of them just goes that's a good advertisement <laughs> just the way I don't he know like it. that just yeah, made me absolutely. laugh I was like oh Ugh. I get it I get it uh, yeah it's very good it's very good. So yeah, I think it's about time we can draw this to a close. This week we've been talking about Hobson's Choice, directed by David Lean from 1954, based on a 1915 play, and yeah, it's just a a fun fun movie. Uh, next week we will be uh, I'll be interested in next week. I'm not really sure. You know, we're back to a truffaut film for the first time in a long time. But it's a 1980 truffaut film, The Last Metro. So you know. Pretty pretty late career for Truffaut. Probably the... I would say that's got to be the latest Truffaut we have we will have seen. So... I, I think so. <laughs> I'm hoping it's in some way
0: uh, related to Metro, The Last Light, or whatever that horror movie is. <laughs> or that horror video game I, is. We're going to be really deeply upset the entire I don't
1: night. know about that. Uh, but uh, it does star Gerard Depardieu, uh, who... Uh, we have seen at one other time in the Criterion collection, and it was it was something. Um, I don't think this will be a replay right. of uh the matrice in any any manner, but right uh, but yeah, this is uh this is pretty close to uh one of the his last films too. uh he made two films after the last Metro, The woman Next door and confidently yours uh, but yeah. I guess we did the last of the uh, Antoine Daniel films was from 1979. It's pretty late. Love on the Run was was 79. So just the year before the last Metro. But in any case, uh, in looking, I shared this with Pat already, but in looking up uh, information on it, one of the bonus features is a five minute deleted scene in the last Metro. And uh, the movie is two hours and 12 minutes. And according to the criterion information on the deleted scene, uh, right before it was released, Tripo cut this scene because he thought the movie might be too long. And cutting five minutes out of a two hour and twelve minute movie so is such, weird. A weird such a weird decision.
0: I, <laughs> I feel like that's just an excuse like for like, oh, this scene was really yeah. shitty. And I was like, I like oh I can't admit that it's a shitty scene, so I'm just gonna say, Oh, the movie right.
1: too-. I don't know. Anyway. Thank you so much for listening to Lost and Criterion. I am, as always, late on glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Otari Dorgan, and we'll see you next week. been Lost in Criterion. I'm your co-host Adam Glass. You can find me on Twitter at TheAdamGlass. My partner is John Patrick O'Hitari Dorgan, and you can find him at JPatrickDorgan. Check out more of the show at LostInCriterion.com, or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at Patreon.com slash LostInCriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at JonathanHape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.